we need to start deciding as a society um, are, when do we flip from exploration to actually colonization? Welcome to the Frontier Space Podcast, a series about how space technology, colonization, and exploration are transforming our solar system. 60 Seconds in Space, researchers simulated hundreds of thousands of Jupiter's migration paths and noticed many of the models caused the eccentricity of Venus to be 44 times greater than Venus's current circular orbit. They theorized that when Venus had oceans of water on its liquid surface around 650 to 2 billion years ago, that Jupiter's gravitational pull and tidal dissipation actually dampened Venus's orbital eccentricity, which uh, potentially caused a runaway greenhouse effect and essentially robbed our solar system's second habitable biosphere. And um, Sir Roger Penrose theorizes that the universe goes through cycles of death and rebirth with um, many big bangs in this kind of uh, never-ending cycle. Really excited to have today's guest, Dr. Jose Lopez, a U.S.-based researcher from Nova Southeastern and George Mason University with over 30 years of experience in molecular and evolutionary biology, who recently wrote a fascinating publication titled Space Colonization Beyond Earth with Microbes. Greetings, Jose. Really excited to uh, have you here today on the Frontier Space Podcast. Oh, thanks, Coleman. Nice to be here. Thanks for the uh, invitation. Absolutely. Um, so, Jose, your your primary research interests are in uh, molecular evolution, marine microbiology, um, and in invertebrates and symbiosis. Um, and then you have this um, one publication that that really stood out, um, titled um, "Inevitable Future: Space Colonization with Microbes First. Um, wh- where did this idea come from, and and uh, uh, what are your future research interests? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Uh, but I chose different kind of organisms like uh, cell culture to start off. Uh, that's mammalian cell culture. And then I, for my doctorate, I moved into uh, uh, mammals and did an analysis of symbiosis within cats, the movement of mitochondrial DNA within cats. And then uh, for uh, most of my career, I plunged into the waters and tried to apply molecular genetics to marine organisms on reefs. So corals, sponges, organisms in space. But in 2006, yes, uh, sorry, 2016, and uh, while I was at Nova Southeastern University in Florida, we had a, a visit from a, uh, a former researcher who had moved to NASA and uh, had become a director there. And uh, she gave a lecture on uh, the new programs that heard about already. Um, then there was also this movie that came out. Uh, you might have heard of it, uh, The Martian um, and, uh, this was a very popular film at the time, uh, interesting, uh, ideas there with, uh, Matt Damon stranded on Mars and how he had to survive, uh, 
uh, with various innovations. One of them was uh, you know, trying to get water and then planting uh, some potatoes that he had left over. You know, he, had, he was there for, I guess, weeks or months. He had to survive. And the first thing that came into my mind there was, where are the microbial symbionts in the soil? Which is actually very important for most of the plants that live on our planet. They, uh, they send their roots into the soil, not just to get water, but to get minerals from the soil. And that requires this partnership with bacteria, with fungi, to enhance the uptake of minerals in, uh, into the roots for the plants. So when I saw that, oh, okay, you know, that's, uh, those are those specific microbes, uh, nitrogen fixers, mycorrhizae, those are probably missing on the Martian soil. Um, so that was one kind of thought. And then uh, lastly was, and was, this was all happening about the same time. Uh, well, first there was also a discovery of water, frozen water on Mars, uh, that, that uh, was a discovery. And then uh, just fortuitously, there was a snapshot of a news reel of um, Vice President Pence going to NASA and he had uh, accidentally put his hand on some equipment. Although it said, do not touch, because they were really trying to keep everything sterile. And uh, so all of these things, these ideas came kind of like uh, churning around uh, and was the basis of this paper. And our paper is an opinion paper mostly that was, that you mentioned, inevitable um, uh, journey and uh, to Mars mission, which was also one of our goals, is just to you know, get, a, get a discussion going of what's involved for, uh, for space exploration and furthermore, colonization of extraterrestrial uh, bodies beyond Earth. Um, so that microbes are part of the, kind of the, part of the equation. They, uh, they really should be and uh, and for that, that's the the main thing. There is the concept of symbiosis, and I've been studying, as I mentioned, symbiosis and thinking about it for um, uh, since the beginning of my scientific career in uh, in the '90s. Um, it's just that symbiosis means the living together of different organisms, and that's kind of the one of the central rules of life on this planet is that we're interdependent on uh, each other. Uh, different species are in interdependent on each other. We depend um, on uh, microbes for uh, many things. Plants, as I mentioned, depend on microbes, fungi. Uh, you just so many uh, ecology, for example. But what I'd like to really show and, and again, this is kind of growing the past decade or so, is that living together is, is what's important and coexisting. So um, we have microbes in our guts, for example, uh, on our skin. We actually have microbes and bacteria everywhere on us. Um, so we are not sterile. And yet the, the vast majority of bacteria in the environment are not pathogenic. 
That is, they, they do not cause disease. Um, and uh, so 90% of them that are just there as symbionts can be either neutral or they actually cause, uh, they have benefits to us. So in our guts, they, in our uh, GI tract, they'll help digest food and things that we can't digest. And then we can use those, those sugars and nutrients. Um, they might even produce an antibiotic on our skin. They can maybe ward off all other pathogens, foreign pathogens that we might run into. And uh, so there's, there's a benefit there. So this is what we mean by symbiosis. Awesome. Yeah. I, uh, I love this vision of uh, symbiosis and, and coexistence. Um, and I think it's definitely underrated um, on our kind of uh, to um, uh, colonize. Um, yeah, it was yeah. Uh, really interesting to read about how, um, how many millions of dollars are, are spent on um, uh, the sterilization of, of spacecraft. Uh, yeah, I I don't know the exact uh, dollar value, uh, but I know that there's great efforts into it, and I understand the reason. I mean, I think I think it's it, it is a good idea, especially when we were first starting out, um, space exploration, and I know there's a whole planetary protection policy. There's various levels of protection, and um, so I'm not saying get rid of that totally. So that's, that's the, uh, the other point of the paper is we need to start deciding as a society, um, our, when do we flip from exploration to actually colonization, which is one of the goals of NASA and, uh, and science at some point. So if you make that commitment to, to uh, colonize, then um, we should do it in a rational way. Yeah, so. I, um, and, and that was one of the main points in your paper. And um, I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you that um, you know, the, the colonization of um, celestial bodies should be the primary goal on the horizon uh, throughout the mission policy and, and financial side of things rather than exploration focused. Yes. And we, so we don't have to tiptoe around it at some point. I mean, right now we're being careful um, because once we decide to colonize, we will bring micro, we go about that. And uh, it's probably easier to do the experiments uh, on this planet and, tr and mimic what's on Mars, right? Than actually doing experiments there. So it's gonna take, and, and that could be very expensive. So that's, that's the thing, that was what we were kind of really pushing is uh, the science agencies should really look into mesocosms and uh, simulations of trying to find the best microbes to bring, maybe something that would produce atmos uh, an oxygen atmosphere. Because as we know, Mars is uh, mostly carbon dioxide and uh, it would only really support an anaerobic type of uh, organism at this point. Whereas we know that uh, microbes help produce the oxygen atmosphere that we breathe in now, 21, 20% 20 oxygen. 
a lot of it's just produced by uh, photosynthesis and microbial activity. So we would need them around there to uh, actually help uh, in terms of producing an atmosphere that was conducive to us. Um, so we, we need experimentation here to, uh, to possibly pick the microbes, to filter out the ones that may be more dangerous that we wouldn't want to bring, bring to Mars. Yeah, you uh, recommended uh, simulations with um, extremophiles and, and, and spore formers and, and maybe some kind of specific Gaian uh, microbiomes for um, simulations here on Earth. Um, but, but you also mentioned um, cyanobacteria and, and how they've um, provided most of the oxygen that we breathe now um, and, and, and have been breathing with life on earth for the past 2 billion years. Yeah. Yeah. That is, uh, the, uh, the current understanding because, uh, some of the oldest fossils or bacterial fossils are from cyanobacteria. Uh, they're called stromatolites and you can find them in the Bahamas, uh, in shallow waters. Uh, I mean, ba basically bacteria don't leave very good fossils, but for some reason these did. And uh, their evidence of their longevity, and then uh, what cyanobacteria do is they uh, they photosynthesize. They're able to take carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere, and then uh, convert that into glucose and carbohydrates. And in the process, they give off oxygen. So this is uh, a uh, well-known event in geology. Uh, stating that around two billion, three billion years ago, the uh, the Earth had a much different atmosphere, uh, much less oxygen, but through the action of these microorganisms, which were really the only organisms alive for for those billion years or so, they were they changed the atmosphere. So <laughs> I know it's um kind of far-fetched to uh to think you know we're going to wait around for the if we brought our own microbes or cyanobacteria to mars it's going to be a long wait <laughs> to get the oxygen but maybe it might be a way to speed things up and in some way to quick to, to quickly convert the carbon dioxide in that atmosphere to something breathable and um you also mentioned a, a another great idea of screening uh, potentially hardy microbial candidates in their toxic and lethal genes to, to survive the uh, 17 or so biocidal factors on, on, uh, present on the Martian surface. Right. Um, there again, it's going to be uh, possible to screen bacteria for these toxin genes pathogenic islands they're called so they, they carry these these uh, usually very mobile genetic elements and um, uh, I mean it's not gonna be easy and there's could always be some species that slips through but we could maybe develop <clears throat> a way to screen and try to keep as as many um, detrimental species out of our our mix as well um, the, uh, 
the thing about bacteria and microbes is that they live in communities, much like we do. So there's a, a diversity of them. And um, that's another rule in nature is that monoculture kind of uh, things that are homogeneous uh, just really doesn't happen in nature. Uh, you know, you pick up a, a gram of soil or, you know, say a quarter of a teaspoon of soil uh, from anywhere, you don't have just one species in that soil. You've got thousands. You know, this is one of the areas that we study routinely in my lab, using genetics to look at the, the diversity in different habitats. So what we do in the lab, we grow up a single species on a petri dish that's very artificial that's um that's not nature when it, it we do it so that we can kind of reduce and uh, it's easier to study one species at a time like bacillus or e coli but in nature uh, for them to function they're they're interacting <clears throat> and um, it's a plurality there's there's so much diversity uh, in the uh, in the soil, in all these habitats, at the microbial level, at the uh, the higher levels too. Our next question is um, Jose. I was wondering what what are the core technologies and innovations to support the colonization um, of of Mars and uh, with with microbes? Oh, well, uh, try to isolate and study in detail or maybe do some genetic engineering to uh, fashion some of the best, the better types of uh, metabolic pathways, which would be beneficial to us. Uh, so we can move genes around in a genome. There's uh, even possibilities of constructing artificial microbial genome. That's been done by Craig Venter's group. And uh, we could put these into um, uh, simulations and uh, environments that are closest to uh, to Mars-like atmosphere. I mean, that would be one way to to do. Anyhow, that's that's not trivial. Yeah, no, it sounds like the the, the beginning of some kind of uh, Mars simulation chamber. Um, yeah, kind of like the biosphere. Heard of that? These uh, biosphere yeah. components. You get. Yeah. They are thinking about bringing. I mean, this latest rover wants to bring back uh, Martian soil and Martian rocks. So then we would be able to see what the uh, what some minerals and components are there. Um, we might find something very unusual in the components, so those can be tested and see how uh, life forms, our life forms, and microbes uh, react to that. Yeah, you mentioned uh, different tools. So uh, this brings the idea of uh, terraforming, which was kind of first introduced by Carl Sagan. And, uh, you know, he, he can go back to some of those, those ideas too, is that we might have to develop new tools to, to make a foreign area hospitable to us. But it's it's hard again, just like uh, yeah. you mentioned this concept of uh, interplanetary microbiome engineering or, or IME. I was wondering um, how we could begin to um, 
better improve and adapt the microbial communities on Mars or those that will be there? Yeah, I think um, most organisms that we know of are uh, the way we understand evolution on this planet is by natural selection. So we would, uh, we're just within those, that paradigm basically and we could expose it to you know, different types of selective uh, factors. Uh, as I mentioned, UV uh, exposure, for example, or temperature. And we would just have to see how uh, uh, a uh, bacterial isolate or a distinct community would respond uh, to these, these pressures, evolutionary pressures. Yeah, you mentioned um sequencing techniques and the development of uh, development in, in DNA, RNA, and, and protein identification um, has, has uh, come a long way. And, um, and it was also really interesting to hear that uh, half of the DNA sequenced in New York City is, is unknown. <laughs> it's uh, uh, really surprising. Um, I, was also, I was also listening to um, a good talk by um, a uh, Professor Chris Mason uh, about um, nanopore sequencers and and how um, our, our DNA create electrical currents and, and sound waves and, and how we can match these different microbial species with the frequencies of of the DNA and he compared them to be the entire symphonies. Oh yes, yeah, I kind of heard of that. Yeah, and I'm I'm also interested in this. Um, the, the symbiosis between technology and, and um, microbes and, and biology that would be beneficial toward the, toward the colonization of uh, celestial bodies. And, and in particular, I was wondering how um, nanotechnology could actually improve this sort of um, interplanetary microbial engineering. Yeah, I think we can probably harness uh, more and more microbes to produce uh, you know, products for us. Uh, they, uh, the more we know about their gene sequences, they can uh, be engineered to, to produce products or generate current, as you, uh, you mentioned. And uh, hopefully they can engineer to be sustainable, renewable, um, and safe, you know, which is the kind of underlying thing is let's, let's keep everything safe. Uh, so I think it, it's, there is, there is potential there. We, uh, have so much to learn about, uh, microbes here. We're just scratching the surface. Uh, we, uh, we're saying we're, we're kind of past what they say, the golden age of microbiology, but maybe we still are because we can't grow, uh, more than a 10% of what's out of nature. And uh, all the microbes, bacteria, fungi, they're, they're out there in these habitats. And um, we just don't have the knowledge to, to get enough material because uh, we don't know enough about them. So that's, that's a big hurdle right there where we still have not overcome. And um, until we do, we, we use genetics to try to get an idea of the diversity. But um, that's... Um, that's going to be a, a big kind of 
goal, I think, and this could be a part of the plan about trying to culture the best microbes to, uh, to pioneer and bring them with us. But we have to grow them first, so. Um, and uh, experiment with them in, in these kind of space farms or biospheres. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, I was, um, and then after, after we grow them, um, we could, uh, we could consider, uh, uh, thrusting them forward on, uh, $1,000, um, sub 100 gram carbon foam spacecraft that, that, that could reach Mars within a few weeks and, uh, dispense of, uh, the beneficial, um, microbes. Um, yeah, that was amazing to hear about that. Yeah. Uh, weeks. These are kind of setting our kind of uh, organic bombs out there, right? Send, send them. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, like the Genesis project from Star Trek. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was, I was also thinking, um, uh, if, if, if SpaceX is not planning to carry um, any microbial testing for their 2022 cargo mission um, with, with Starship or, or in 2024, we could include microbial testing and, and, and research on, on um, their mission and, and, and Starship as well. Yeah. Or do you know if they're going to, you say? or Because uh, I, I have not... Uh... I've not been following procedures. It sounds like they're still uh, working things out, um, but but there, that's definitely an area of improvement. If if you or anyone would be interested in, yeah, uh, if you can get them get them in touch with us, we would definitely be interested in helping out and uh, looking at those possibilities of testing uh, uh, whatever they think is useful to carry a carry this out microbial missions to mars exciting uh, but but i do believe that there, there, there could be a serious research opportunity and um do do let us know the next time you're in the dc area i would love to meet up okay yeah yeah we'll do i don't have anything planned right now travel's a little low <laughs> gotcha but, uh, <laughs> again let's uh let's keep in touch uh, looking forward to it <laughs>